to welcome on in. It is Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Glad to be with you guys on this Tuesday. We had to think about it. We thought a little bit too hard on what type of day it was. Yesterday didn't feel like a Monday. Yesterday felt like a midweek show, which means today should feel like a Thursday, but it's Tuesday, and I'm okay with that. Uh, it just it just is what it is, and I'm happy to be here with you guys. I feel like old man yells at cloud all day long. Eight o'clock hour, I'm going to be old man yelling at cloud. So I got in a discussion with Nick Wilson uh, about the topic I had. I was telling him, I'm like, eight o'clock, you know, you want to tune in, feel free. Maybe it might be something maybe you could play off of, something you could use. And I was preparing for him to be like, oh, that's a good take. It's a really good take. And instead, he just wanted to combat the take, which is fine and perfectly acceptable and, and very welcomed. But I was like, oh, no, maybe I feel like an old man. And then, uh, boom, before we got underway, you know, we, we tend to try to figure out what games we're going to watch. And it's like, all right, well, what are you betting tonight? Where we, what, what route are we going? I got no bets tonight as of right now. And so I was like, uh, you're dying your dance for, man. Whatever you want. Put whatever you want on. He goes, oh. Well, you know, Peacock's got that Ohio State game tonight. And and I I thought I was sounding like the old man, and then Bohm took the reins, and uh, you now get to be old man that yells at Cloud. And so that's a very good thing for me, but I agree with you. And I feel like I figured out why I hate when they put games on streaming services, and it's not an all-in-one. And, and again, we'll, we'll get into more. Uh, we're in the Cavs in just a little bit. Just let me yell about this for a second as we now have the announcement of the, about the streaming service and everything else. I think I figured it out. And I, it hit me over this past weekend as to why I like everything to be all-in-one. I don't like clicking the button to then go to another app and then clicking in the app and then having the screen pop up and it's like, all right, great. There's the peacock. Then I have to find the game all over again. I should just be able to use the return button on my channel and, and watch as many games as I want. Now, I have a TV setup. I have a two TV setup in my living room. Is it ridiculous? Yeah, it's, a, it's ridiculous. Will Apple Pro Vision probably replace it? I don't know if I'll ever be comfortable wearing headgear in my house, but maybe... I mean, headgear outside of like my sleep apnea, because you know that's that's I need that. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but I highly doubt my wife would be sitting on the couch and I'd be there with like some sort of futuristic ex goggles on my head, being like, "I'm watching six games at once. Isn't this great?" As she's trying to watch, I don't know, The Housewives or something. I don't think that's ever going to be reality. But what I do know is, as of right now, if I put something up on my big screen and then I go and I go, all right, CBS to then uh, TNT, to then ESPN, and I love college basketball. College basketball, these there's like 12 games on at any given time that are of consequence and importance. There's a million good college basketball games, and I'm constantly flipping between the channels, and, and I have a million screens. That's the other thing. I have a million screens. It's not as simple as, say, get more screens. I have more screens than anybody should possibly have in life, but I like to flip around, and I don't like to go from the Peacock game to then going over and being like, all right, well, this game's a 10-point game. Let's check in with this one a little bit later on. It's incredibly annoying to me. Incredibly annoying to me. So, Boehm, I feel your frustration. Also, we don't have Peacock here in the studio. So that also kind of aids to our frustration a little bit. It's a good service, though. That's where that's where you can find uh, uh, the, the TED series. It's on Peacock, and it's fantastic. One of my favorite things I watched this past year. I remember the days when Peacock used to be free, JP. Ooh. Those were the days. Unlimited law and order. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so all the law and order your heart could eat. I, I listen. I, I never watched Law and Order. 
I never get. I never got into Law and Order. I never got into uh, all the different like Chicago SVU and all that stuff. I just never did the crime shows, and I don't know why. Because half of crime shows are just yelling at people and telling them how wrong they are. And if you know Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin, it's kind of a pastime of this program. Just yelling loudly and being like, you're completely wrong. I should have been a defense attorney, but what I realized early on in life is that, well, one, I don't have the skill set to do that anyway. But uh, most people try to become defense attorneys, you know, where they get to like argue and debate and do things and, and like they think that's what they're going to end up becoming. And then they end up becoming the attorney that is pleading down DWIs in a strip mall. Okay? Like, that's, that's really what happens. Being a defense attorney is like saying you want to be a broadcaster and then ending up in being Stephen A. Smith. Okay? Only, there's only, like, five versions of Stephen A. Smith that actually gets to happen. There's very few people that get to actually, like, sit back be like, oh, so this murder case is fascinating. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty of this murder case and find out why our client is innocent. And it's like, no, not enough people get to do that. If you can work 35 years being an attorney and you just don't you, you just don't get to do that. You get maybe one case. If that's your specialty, you get one case. And boom, your parents are in uh your parents are attorneys. My sister is an attorney. My sister does contract law, okay? Contract law. She went to law school building up debate ca- debate cases. All sorts of different instances of like basically how she can argue better than you, and she does contract law. <laughs> like I mean, that's that's the reality of what happens. So I, I never got into those shows, but maybe one day, maybe it'll be my retirement theme. Okay, I always saved golf for when I retired. I've gotten into that now in a big, big way. So I don't have anything to do when I retire except play golf and potentially go to baseball games, be an usher as my retirement job. Maybe I'll get into like Law and Order SVU and and all the different. Uh, the law crime, you know, there is, there are sports people. I, 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 oddly enough, I grew up to a guy that worked for Sports Illustrated, and, uh, and it was an NBA writer in the '90s and early 2000s. And I'm talking like when Sports Illustrated wasn't what today Sports Illustrated is. Back when Sports Illustrated was like, if you worked for Sports Illustrated, you were awesome. Like, only a handful of people worked for Sports Illustrated, and he was the NBA beat reporter for Sports Illustrated. Like, interviewing the commissioner on a daily, regular, you know, regular basis, not daily, but on a regular basis. And he actually quit doing his sports writing job at, like, 45 years old and became an attorney. And just, just like, 45 years old. He went to law school, did the three years, passed the bar, and now he's a practicing attorney in the state of Illinois and has been for 20 years or whatever it's been. I've always wondered, act two of my life, I would love to do this until the day I die. I really truthfully would. Act two of my life, I don't know. Maybe I'm pleading down DWIs in a strip mall. Could be a good time. 216474 to below 92. As you can tell, uh, I feel very talkative today, which is usually a good thing for a five-hour show. I felt talkative yesterday. I could tell all day yesterday and today I've just been bothering the hell out of my wife. I'm just having way – I am just. I just can't, I can't shut up. And so that's beautiful for this type of job. So hopefully you can join me for the entire uh, stretch of the way. Chris Fedor going to join us at 10 o'clock. We got the fan focus at 9 o'clock. A lot to get into. But we got to start with the Cavs before we bring Chris on. Because I I, I want to know what your expectations are for this Cavs team. Because if you think they're making the NBA Finals, got some bad news for you. But if your expectations are a playoff win or a playoff series win, we might be able to get you there. I think most fans have moved the goalposts based off of this stretch 
And now they might want something beyond a playoff series win. A playoff series win and then a tough series against a good team. Can I sell you on that? I, I'm apprehensive to let my guard down, okay? I know you know, last night, I don't think I went overboard, but I was very I was very high on what the Cavs did last night. You shoot 56% from three, and more importantly, they took down a Kings team that I just believe in. I think Sacramento's very good. I think that offense can be really, really dynamic at times. It's a reason why they're one of the better teams in the West. I just I like them. Fight the beam, man. I, I think they're fantastic. Many ways, they kind of mirror the Cavs, not from a not from a, a standpoint of what they do offensively, more of a standpoint of they, they, they just play hard every single game. They're one of those teams you love to bet on because they're, they're never going to see a 25-point difference on the scoreboard and then just wave the white flag and give up and bring in the backups and, well, I guess we'll see them tomorrow. They, they, just, they play hard the entire game. They're really, really tough. And so I, I know a lot of people have the 76ers circled on their calendar. For me, last night was a big-time game, and then they were able to do it. And they were able to do it in a way that I didn't know this Cavs team could do it. Where you had Garland on the court and Mobley on the court. And instead of saying, okay, Mobley's going to score a bunch, Garland's going to score a bunch, both players scored 11 points. And they let that ideology that they built within themselves over the previous month really take over. The idea that they would shoot a bunch of threes. They'd be that three-point shooting team, and they'd be able to win, and they'd be able to score high, high numbers and be able to really kind of feast that way. And, and honestly, I thought it was mwah, chef's kiss. I left last night on cloud nine with this Cavs team. I really did. And if you if you heard any of the post game, first off, thank you for listening and supporting Overtime with Jonathan Peterman. We really do appreciate you. My kid's college fund appreciate, appreciates you as well. But I I sounded giddy. And I had 24 hours to sit back and think on it. And I still am excited about the win. I'm excited about them winning 14 out of their last 15. I'm excited about the fact that Donovan Mitchell takes over every game he's involved in, but it doesn't have to be all Donovan. Max Strew scored 22 last night. There, you're getting all sorts of contributions from everywhere and anywhere. And it was the type of game where it really did feel like a full team effort to just dog walk Sacramento. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. But I don't trust this Cavs team still. You know, part of the uh, problem I've been having within the morning show is they're like, oh, we want to flip the switch. We want to flip the switch. I think it's too early for any of that. I, I don't know. Maybe there's something broke with me. And you can tell me if there is, 216474 to below 92. Maybe I'm just a broken toy. I don't know. I have major trust issues with this Cavs team. And I just can't be resolved of it for what we're seeing in a really, really impressive stretch of basketball going on a month of play. It, it just it doesn't get zapped away that quickly. And I don't know. Who hurt me? What team hurt me? Is it my belief in the Browns entering the postseason to then be two-point uh, two dogs against uh, the Texans on the road or two-point favorites against the Texans on the road that then ended up being not true at all? I don't think that's it. But there's clearly something that is sitting there and, and, and really kind of I'm not giving the Cavs the benefit of the doubt, and I can't figure out 100% why. Is it because I believe I've just watched too much NBA to take anything into account for what we see in the regular season? I mean, really, last year, if you needed the reminder, last year was Exhibit A for what would you what you would need in regards to the idea that in the regular season versus the postseason, it's it's almost two different leagues. And I hate to be the person that just keeps reminding us of this because I I really don't. I want to get excited for what happened last night. I, I go back and listen to it. I was over the moon with joy, but the reality is, is that 
I've watched the league too long to think that what happened last night and what has happened over the previous month is something we can rely on in the postseason. It really is night and day. It's not the difference between the NBA and the Euro League, let's say, but there's a big difference between playoff basketball and regular season February 5th basketball. And I think that might be the hang-up that I'm having. So let me hear from you. 216-474-0092. I get it. It might just be a personal problem. A lot of things tend to be. It's okay. It might just be a me issue. But should fans be letting their guard down and getting excited about this team? I'm excited, but I don't know that I've let my guard down quite yet. I I, I built up a wall here, okay? Uh, this wall, you're not just tearing down that easy. I, I've been very impressed with what this team has done. But a win against the Kings doesn't have me all of a sudden breaking down that wall and then ready to open up my arms for this Cavs team this quickly. 216-474-0092 on Twitter. There you can find me. I am at Jay Pito, and we'll get to all this and more. It's overtime with Jonathan Pito and here with you on The Fan. All righty, back at it here on The Fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Pito. and asking you guys, should fans be letting their guard down with this Cavs team? Because last night I was hooting and hollering, having myself just a, I'm going to make a country reference, a real big and rich kind of time. And I only did that because of Toby Keith today. We can talk about that later on today. I've gotten back to my 90s country roots all day long. I got to be honest with you. Very sad for me. But I was having myself a good time. And there's no there's no denying that. And I, I thought about it all day long. And I wondered if I, I maybe got myself just a little, just a little excited. And I think part of the reason why I'm thinking this postseason will be different is because if you end up as a two seed, two versus seven seed is never going to be as tough as a four or five matchup. If you can stay with the two seed, lock into the two seed, we got a lot we could get excited about. There's no doubt about that. But I, I did, and I will keep going back to the idea that the lights were too bright. And Jared Allen putting that out there, me asking JB Bickerstaff before the season got underway. Listen, I was not face-to-face with JB. I did that interview back here at the station. Ken Carmen was right there, though, and Ken has talked about it a, a few different times about when I asked that, that question, if the lights were too bright, using Jared Allen's words almost as an enemy against JB Bickerstaff, that JB answered the question, but JB was not happy to answer that question. And he handled it like a pro, and that's fine, and we ended on good terms, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask that question. Because for me, the biggest part of this year – Yeah, the regular season matters a ton, but the biggest part for me was making sure that the lights weren't too bright. And there was something I saw last night in the NFL that I I think maybe can translate a little bit to kind of help out this Cavs team. And maybe I'll I'll, I'll be grabbing onto this one as we move further and further uh, along with the regular season and closer into the postseason. So yesterday, the, the media all met. And it used to be the time where the media would meet with all these different players and it would be, it would turn into a joke, right? It would be the time where uh, you have Guillermo and all the random faux celebrities up there asking really stupid, stupid questions. Ultimately, it kind of turned into a waste of people's time. Same thing kind of happened last night, but they, they've gotten a hold of it. That's okay. It's a big night for the NFL. And I watched a video of Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes is now playing in his fourth Super Bowl. And Patrick Mahomes was cool, calm, collected. Every answer he gave was like he'd been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Every answer he gave was with the impression of somebody that has gone through this three other times before, that has been to the Super Bowl and the lights are never too bright 
for someone like that. I, I believe it's one of the inherent advantages that someone like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey have this weekend against a 49ers team quarterbacked by the other side of this coin in Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, and I don't think this is unfair of me to suggest it, but I do think I do think it happened, and I do think it's human. Brock Purdy looked like last night he took a few moments to sit back and say to himself, wow, I can't believe it. I'm really here. From Iowa State, Mr. Irrelevant, People always tell you to stop and smell the roses. It felt like he was stopping and smelling the roses last night. It really did. It felt like there was was a lot of moments where Brock Purdy was like, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe that I made it. I can't believe I'm sitting here talking to the media and everyone else here at the Super Bowl. And listen, it doesn't mean I'm making my decision based off of the 49ers versus Chiefs media day press conferences, but it definitely felt like one guy was over his skis and the other guy had it under control. Same thing happened with the Cavs last postseason. Jared Allen had it until he didn't. Jared Allen had it until the lights were too bright, and then all of a sudden, the rest of the team folded like a cheap suit. And you just can't have that. This year, Allen, Garland, Mobley are all going to be another year of experience, been there, done that, got the T-shirt, and it should only help them moving forward. But if you can get the two seed instead of the seven seed, or excuse me, two seed instead of the four seed or five seed, I think it's going to make a world of difference. But I'm asking you guys, 216474 to below 92. Should fans start to let their guard down and get excited about this Cavs team? I can't let my guard down quite yet. And I don't know, maybe letting my guard down or not is my version of flipping the switch. I hadn't really thought that through until I'm saying it right now. Maybe that's not necessarily true. But for me, if I let my guard down, I'm worried about being bitten. And maybe it's because I went too hard in the paint for them last year, or maybe it's the reminders I have to keep giving myself uh, myself that the NBA regular season and the NBA postseason is night and day. Jim and Menner are going to bat lead off tonight on the fan. What's up, Jim? Yeah, I don't, I don't believe it either. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It's too much streaky shooting. And in the defense, when everyone's a step closer while you're trying to make that shot, there's tendencies for those percentages to go way down. And then JB also has to show that he can make adjustments. And that was the struggle last year. I mean, Mobley, his jumper could be off some nights. Garland is prone to turnovers and bad shot selection sometimes. Is JB willing to sit those guys on the, in the playoffs? I mean, it's just there's, there's lots to be nervous about. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And I, I personally believe we're two players away still from being where we want to be. Two players away. Yeah. All right, Jim. We need at least one more backup point guard. I think we need a real small forward. All right, Jim. Thank you, man. I do appreciate you. Thanks. All Thanks. right. I, I Listen, I can I be honest with you? I thought I was going to do the thing where I come out here and I say, I'm not letting my wall down. And then you guys come back and say, but JP, let your wall down. Buy into this team. And I didn't hear that bat and lead off from Jim. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. You tell me though if I should let my my wall down. If I should feel comfortable with where this Cavs team. I am getting some tweets in here, so we'll read some of those because some of the tweets are against that, right? Uh, Danny saying I get the wall being up still, but it's time to start the process of breaking it down. Six weeks ago, nobody could have envisioned the depth of being this, and DG will find his groove, and this team can guard in the playoffs. His two cents. Thank you, Danny, for that. DC says Cleveland sports history in its entirety 
can leave you not confident in what could be a paper tiger. Ooh, I hate that phrase because I love that phrase so much, but I hate that phrase in this context. I love using paper tiger. I think it's very effective and just a great way to speak, but I hate the idea that this team could, in fact, be a paper tiger. I don't think they are, but I got no evidence to the contrary. Knicks fans, the New York Knicks had the best record for a month. They went 14-1 and in January, the best record for a month they've had since 1994. They were in fuego. If there was a team that was just as hot as what the Cavs were, it was the Knicks. And you can make an argument that a lot of Knicks fans right now are sitting there and yeah, the, the injury to Randall doesn't help, but they got Ananobi, and then they they end up with uh, you know Brunson playing his ass off. They basically, on any given night, look like the Villanova teams that went to the national championship in 2016 and 2018. It's amazing what they've been able to do in just copying, pasting a college basketball team and then moving them up to the NBA's, uh, to the NBA, excuse me. But you think Knicks fans are sitting there saying to themselves, "We're better than Boston." We're better than the 76ers. We're better than Milwaukee. We're we're better than all the teams that people project us to be a little bit a step behind in the East. I just don't know that they are because the realization is always there. I mean, an eight seed last year was the Miami Heat that made their way to the NBA, NBA Finals. You can make an argument that if Giannis doesn't miss the first two games, it's a different series, but ifs and buts were candy and nuts, right? Like you can't really go down that road. The point I'm making is that As a seven seed, as an eight seed, you can find your way in. You can find your way in based off the idea that the regular season success isn't the end-all, be-all. If the 76ers end up as a five or a six seed because Joel Embiid's going to miss the next month, that doesn't mean when they get to the postseason, they're going to be treated like a five or a six six seed. They're going to be treated like one of the best teams in the East. There's no question about that. 216474 to below 92. Should fans be letting their guard down and getting excited about this team? Here was Donovan Mitchell talking about the idea that now uh, there are two seed and should be treated seriously. It's good, but you know it's this February. You know, at the end of the day, we're just trying to continue to play the way we've been playing. You know, it's just it's crazy. I mean, no disrespect to a lot of you, but a lot of y'all were in here. You know, when we were when we were down down and out. So, you know, what I mean, that's always a good sign when the locker room's packed. <laughs> um, so I think the biggest thing is just playing as a group, man. Just staying here and com- com- being cohesive as a group. You know, I think it's it's going to be talked about. We're going to you know two seed this and that, but at the end of the day, like you know, it matters where we are come April time and how we and how we finish. You know, what I mean, so this is great. We're playing great basketball, but my my biggest thing and our biggest thing is how do we keep going how do we get better how do we improve continuously every day Hmm. shots fired there at the local media a little bit by donovan haven't seen all you guys i know we're doing well when it's a full crowd here okay all right he's not wrong teams start playing well and you got you got people from all sorts of different stations out that never go out to these games like it's just kind of how it works you get like the backup backup sports reporters and now and then they're all there and it's just like wow there's a lot of people here so so we must be doing all right for ourselves i kind of i kind of like that a guy that's always there, Chris Fedor, he'll join us coming up later on in the show, 10 o'clock. I think getting the two seed would be critical because you'd play a team that likely doesn't have a chance to knock you out in the first round, even if you throw up on your shoes. And to go a step further, I am going to rewrite my Evan Mobley must-be-shooting-threes-at-all-cost diatribe. Because remember a couple weeks ago, was it even that long? Maybe it was last week. When Jason Lloyd came out with his article, and then it was talking about how Evan Mobley's got to shoot threes, we had Joe Varden on. Joe Varden was like, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I've been telling Jason this for months, that Evan Mobley's got to shoot a lot more threes. Okay, all right. I bought into it at first. 
And I remember that night telling you guys, if it cost you a couple games, no big deal. Lay down the sword. The development and the growth of Evan Mobley is all this team should be concerned about because taking that next that next step, that extra leap in the postseason, comes down to whether or not Evan Mobley can be that guy. Offensively. We know what he can do defensively, but being that guy offensively. That was at a time when I didn't think the two seed was on the table. That was at a time when I thought we were kind of splitting hairs between are you going to be a four seed, are you going to be a five seed, and none of that's really going to make that big of a difference. That wasn't when we were talking two seed. Now that we're talking two seed, and they've maintained playing at the high level that they've been playing, Listen, I love the idea of Mobley developing a three-point shot. I really do. And I, I did. I love the idea of it being at the cost of some games, even if that's what it took. I'm not so sure I sit in that camp right now. Not after what we've seen over the previous few days. The Cavs have gotten me to change my mind. This version of the team, if they can do what they did last night and not revert back to the old Cavs, this version of the Cavs deserves a chance to see if they can win bombing threes and doing what they did yesterday. Team basketball, Mobley scoring 11 points, not much more. Garland scoring a very tiny number. He had 11 last night. Maybe we can get that a little bit higher, but not that much more. And relying on a three-point shot. I can't believe I'm saying it, but I'm saying it. It'll be a core four, but it'll truly be Donovan and then the big three rotating on what they need to do behind him. We'd have to scrap the idea that Mobley's going to be this great offensive piece because he's moving at a snail's pace offensively, and I've just I've seen enough of right now. The three ball is a it's a way to build that all up. I just don't know that you can do that in the snap of the fingers. I, I love the idea. We always think this is possible in sports. It's like, well, ah, we need some outfield pop in the lineup. Let's just make player X a home run hitter and work on his launch angle. If only it was that simple, guys. Now it was. It was in some instances, Yandy Diaz being one of them. But in most instances, it's not the case. Just swinging up isn't going to go ahead and all of a sudden make you some sort of big home run hitter. It's got to be a little bit more than that. It's like immobile. Hey, go out to the perimeter and just chuck up threes. That'll solve the problem. Eh, maybe it's going to be a little bit more than that. Maybe he actually is a 20% three-point shooter, and he really shouldn't be doing this. Until further no notice, Donovan Mitchell is the offense. And then everyone else is fighting for their scraps at the table. And if you can shoot a three ball, welcome to the club. If we're going to treat the rotational minutes like a nightclub where one gets in, one gets out, I'm going to treat it like if you can shoot threes, you are the you are the 10 walking up to the bouncer. You're going to get your way in. You can shoot threes on this team. Congratulations. It's like you and all your sorority sisters all walked up to the bar. You're all getting in, okay? If you can't, we're going to have some issues. You're probably not getting into the club. Evan Mobley can be the exception, but he's not going to be much offensively. 216474 to below 92. Bill and Parma up next on the fan. What's up, Bill? Hey, JP. Doing a great job tonight. Good Thank energy. You, Thank you, Bill. Appreciate you as always. Uh, you know, in looking at this club right now, it's Donovan Mitchell's club. He's he it is his or it is his team. Uh, you know, uh, Garland is not is not in, in in the picture, and I think that used to kind of confuse people in the sense that there was this idea that they were kind of equal, or one was maybe a little bit better, whatever. That has di dissipated. It is now Donovan Mitchell's team. Agreed. 
And I think that clarity, Jonathan, I'm, and I, everything I say, Jonathan, I want your opinion. I, want, I put it out there as a, as a statement, but I want your thoughts. I think that clarity has really helped this team a lot. One thing I've noticed with Donovan Mitchell that, and I'm going to compare him right now, oh boy, here we go, to LeBron, is, is this. Donovan Mitchell is better off of the ball. LeBron had to have the ball in his hand. And if there was a down aspect to LeBron was, he had the ball too much. And I think with this team that they're building right now, it has the potential to be better than any team LeBron was on because LeBron's team always played down to what they should have. This team right now is playing up because they're moving the ball. Mitchell's moving without the ball. He doesn't have to have the ball. Other people get to get have it. That's a great thing. And I, I, I am hoping that they call him in and say, Donovan, this is your team now. And in order to entice him to stay and say, we want you to be part of looking into how we develop this team going forward. What do you think? That's got to be the hook. And Bill, I appreciate you as always. Thank you so much. That's got to be the hook. But let me ask you guys this. Why do some Cavs fans refuse to embrace Donovan Mitchell? I'm right there with Bill. He should be the one guiding this team. But two one six four seven four to below 92, why is it on any given night it feels like his team, he acts like it's his team, but Cavs fans don't want to make it his team? Two one six four seven four to below 92, your phone calls and more, at Jay Peterlin on Twitter. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here with you on The Fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. I want the Cavs to start getting cocky about what they've been doing. Stop being the little old lady at the casino going to the penny slot. Start being the guy headed to the high roller room, okay? Step yourself up. I want them to be, I don't know, confident within themselves and not the Cavs team that thought the lights were too bright. We've lost cabin pressure when I'm out here uh, suggesting that this team needs to be a little bit something different through the midst of them going 14 and 15 we might have to make regular season basketball mean more than it ever has. The Mobley three-point shot, for me, it's dead for the season, though. For this year. Start dropping roses at the graveside, okay? Maybe he can one day do the WWE rising from the coffin like Undertaker. Maybe, but for this season, let's just, let's give it a go. Let's call it a day. But I'm asking you guys, 216474 to below 92, about at what point do you really let Donovan Mitchell have this team? Donovan was and has been awesome, yet it feels like Donovan will never be loved here completely. People went harder defending Colin Sexton than they've ever defended Donovan, and I'm just confused by it all. Two years, two all-star games, 70-point game. He's been every bit the number one you signed up for with that trade, yet some Cavs fans act like he walks around here with the ability to screw up a one-car funeral procession. It makes no sense to me. I just don't understand it, and I'm at the point where I just I'm gonna I'm gonna give that man all the credit that he deserves and then some. And as he represents the Cavs in the three point contest this weekend, or sorry, not not this weekend. When is the All Star game? Is not this weekend. The following weekend, right? We have Super Bowl weekend, then we have the All Star weekend. When he represents the wine and gold there, I am going to cheer for him like I cheered every other big time Cavs player that was in any event since I've been here in Cleveland. I was always a LeBron guy. Before I got to Cleveland, I loved LeBron. He was my favorite player. It was just it was what it was, right? But 
there are so many talented players around the Cavs. There's so many reasons to be excited. For me, the number one reason, though, is the idea that Donovan Mitchell has taken this team and put him on its back. Any given night you want it, he's putting up big-time points, and he's being the offense. 216-474-92. I don't know what he's got to do more to be embraced by this fan base. I really don't. Lavelle and Lakewood up next on the fan. What's up, Lavelle? Hey, what's going on? Hey, I love Donovan, man. I think while Garland was sitting down, I think he see how important how important Donovan is. I want I love JB rotation since uh, Mobley and Garland came back. So you know, Garland just you just take a back seat for a minute, be a pure point guard, get others involved, and let Donovan be the scorer. We already know, and the people know that. Um, Garland is dangerous when he can score, but let Donovan take over. He proved that he can lead this team. And Jared Allen has been a beast for the last 16 games. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, Jared Allen's so, been amazing. Man, he's been amazing. I'm just, I'm just so proud of him. Only hump I see him with us in the East. We got to get get over that Boston. We got to beat Boston these next two games. I think whenever we play them, and we find out we can beat Boston, Philly, and and how we handle Milwaukee, man, Cal's gonna be dangerous. No doubt, and thank you, Lavelle. I appreciate you, but it's it comes with that understanding that can Darius take on that secondary role? Can he really take the back seat to Donovan? And he's done it in the past, but I mean, really take the back seat and do what he did last night, where he saw the hot hand and he said, "I'm not going to mess this thing up." It's like going to the casino, looking at the blackjack table. Everyone's winning as the dealer is busting. You're waiting till the shoe is done. We're going to ride the hot hand here, okay? Hit me. Let's go. That's, that's kind of what I think is going to happen here. I hope it happens here. Darius played it right last night. We continue to play it. If he sees a 56% three-point effort from the perimeter, is he going to be able to say, you know what? Maybe tonight I just score 11, I facilitate a little bit more, and I take it easy. 216474 to below 92. The problems we'll have is if Darius decides that he's got to start scoring 20 every night when it's not necessary. Lou and North Royalton up next. What's up, Lou? Hey, Jonathan, how you doing? Hey, what's up, Lou? Uh, <laughs> long day, long day. Um, Why was listen, it a long day? It's always, what I do, it's always a long day. But anyways, um, okay. here's here's my point, okay? I, I, I we, we know the Cavs are going to make the playoffs, whether it's uh, two seeds, five seeds, four seeds, that's not the point, okay? I don't care what these guys do jared allen um mobley whoever donovan mitchell i don't care what they do in the regular season this is not about the regular season what this is about for any cleveland sports team it's the playoffs it's about the playoffs so it's for donovan mitchell it's time to put up or shut up just like i told you with lamar jackson same thing here He's got to perform. Mm-hmm. If he's going to be the man, and if this is his team, then he's got to perform like it's his, 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 his team in the playoffs. If he can't do it, get rid of him. We don't need him. I mean, what I wanted to tell you when I talked to you last week was, yeah. here's my point on why I feel he's not going to stay here. They got bounced in five games in the first round of the playoffs. After they get bounced by the team – that, that beat you, he's yucking it up going to the, uh, the, the uh, I don't know who the Knicks played after they beat us in the second round of the, the playoffs. He's, the heat. he's going there yucking it up, They're sitting at courtside with Spike Lee and this and that. Now, is that a man that's dedicated 
to the team that he's playing for. Do you think that Michael Jordan, Irvin Magic Johnson. You know that answer, Lou. MJ MJ would never. MJ would never. You know that answer. Exactly. That's the problem. So if I was Kobe Altman, J.B. Bickerstaffer, Dan Gill, anybody, I would have bounced him. I would have traded him that summer, this past summer. He doesn't want to be here. Come on. He doesn't want. I don't know what it's going to do. You're going to. Jonathan, it's uh, February 6th. At 1952, that's military time, 752, yeah. uh, on a Tuesday evening. I think, I think he I'm does want to be here. I just don't think he's got the same drive as MJ because no one has the same drive as MJ. No, no, well, yeah, yeah. nobody's going to have that drive. But I'm telling you, mark it down right now. All right, I'm marking it down. I got the pen and paper out. I, I got, I, and I will call you back. Put Lou North Royalty. My buddy's sweet Lou. He's, he's, he's saying it. He's putting himself exactly. on the record. Exactly. Right. At, at 752. Donovan Mitchell will not be on this. If, if they wait till the summer and he gets because he, he he can opt out of his contract this July, right? Uh, it's a little more. It's a, it's more complicated than that. But yeah, go ahead. So if he can opt out this, you know, the player option this summer, he will not be. Uh, he will not be on the Cavs team. I'm telling you right now, he's not. He's not going to be on the Cavs team. He won't. He's got to sign. And thank you, Will. I appreciate you. I'll respond to this for a second. Okay. I don't buy it. I don't buy it, and there's a couple reasons why I don't necessarily buy it. I was I don't know that he's going to sign, uh, you know, some sort of big, massive extension or anything like that. I, I I have no idea what's in the cards that way for him. But I just know the Cavs have given him every opportunity to be able to win. And uh, when he goes to All Star Game this weekend, or excuse me, two weekends from now, I keep thinking it's this weekend for some unknown reason. Two weekends from now, when he goes to the All Star Game, the conversation if the team continues to play hot is, oh boy. You're the face of the Cavs, and they're one of the best teams in the league, and they're a two seed, and they're awesome. You should really hang out there for a while. That's going to be the rhetoric. It's not going to be how fast can you get yourself away from Cleveland. It's going to be you have yourself in a pretty awesome situation. You're doing great over there. You get to be the alpha. You get to score as many points as you want. It's your team. Stay with them. He is being afforded the right by the Cavs to achieve all the wildest dreams he's ever wanted in the NBA to be the number one on a team, to be able to score as much as he wants on any given night, to when you need someone to take over the games, he takes over the games. That's all you can ask for. It's all you can ask for being a number one in the NBA today. He will sign a Supermax extension. He'll be as rich as anything uh, as you could possibly get. I, I, I honestly think the problem he had with Utah is – there was like seven problems he had with Utah. One of the big things he pointed out in his press conference was that Utah didn't have any other sporting teams – Sporting events to go to. We have all the sporting events. We have it all. He breaks the guitar over there at the Browns game. He gets standing ovations at the Guardians games. Like, he's he's doing it. I think he's enjoying it more than people think. John up next. What's up, John? So, I got to yell at you for a little bit, Jonathan. Um, the, no one's got this crazy Colin Sexton thing but Hiram and Hiram's burner Kesha or whatever. So, let's let's settle down there. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not talking about currently or anything like that. I'm saying I I feel like people at the height of Colin Sexton defended Sexton more than they defend Donovan Mitchell, and it's it's wild to me. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll give you that then. You know, and uh, Lou kind of confused the crap out of me because I think Donovan's been a perfect, like, model citizen for the Cavs. Of course and he I has. And I think with this, year, with, with this year how he's playing, like – 
so no, but, I, I but John, think a that's, lot of that's it my had... that's my point though, John. And I'll let you finish. I promise. But but like that's my point is that like why is it that no matter what Donovan does, Cavs fans just won't embrace him? There's always going to be Lou uh, hanging out there being like it's not good enough, and I just don't know what else the guy could do. I'm sorry. So I think I think I think the 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 biggest thing is the play the ba- really bad taste from the playoffs last year. I think that is huge. Um, and I think I think seeing how Lori Markinen's kind of become like this, like I don't know, juggernaut somehow. I think I think those two factors have kind of stopped people from embracing uh, Mitchell like they should. And but you know what? I think the Cavs get the two seed this year. I think they're going to have an er- easier first round matchup. And then I think once they win in the playoffs, which they were supposed to do last year, and that's why people aren't happy. Um, so I think they win in the playoffs this year. I think that's going to cure a lot of things, and I think I think the city is going to embrace Mitchell um, after we get some playoff wins and uh, definitely a playoff um, a playoff series win. I think that's going to be huge. It would be, and thank you, John. I do appreciate you, man. Have a good night. All right. We'll leave that there. We'll get back to it later on. We come on back. I think Rick Pitino is right. I don't know that you're going to agree with me, and also I'll pay tribute. I don't do it often, but we'll do that. We come on back as well. It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle here with you on the fan.